match day number three is in the books for the black and red, and it couldn't have ended soon enough for those of you guys who are at the game as we welcome you in to Tried and True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. It's myself, John Lee, joined just by Michael Black tonight. I think Sam and Joshua are still thawing out. Um, I can't joke too much, though. I, I took the night off. I was watching from – we had a fire going. Um, it, it, what bad week to have a fire going, right? Maybe we should have bagged that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but 2-0 was the uh, the final score, not in favor of the black and red, as uh, as the Chicago Fire took it to us in conditions I would have expected to see at Soldier Field. Um, Michael, I guess let's start first with with the, the weather, because maybe that's more fun to talk about than the performance. How are you holding up today? And I'm sure it's much more fun for the guy who again, sat in his living room with uh, a nice fire going and was able to look away from that train. Rick, you know, the number of times we've referred to the fire, the dumpster fire, uh, didn't play out last night. Uh, clearly Chicago was the better team, but yeah, it was, it was damn cold. Um, uh, there's actually a, a better turnout than I expected. You know, obviously the stadium was not anywhere near full. I haven't seen the attendance stats and we know how much we can rely on MLS for accuracy there in the first place. But, you know, talking to folks, it definitely felt like one of the colder games there's been. Uh, there have been more miserable ones, you know, obviously it wasn't raining and, you know, that would add a whole other layer to it. But uh, to wrap up your weather report, it was cold. I think I'm still cold. I think my in-laws from Miami are never going to come back, but <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Uh, certainly not to see the same product that we saw on the field yesterday, because that, that was that was tough to watch. You know, I think uh, the next 10 years of home games, they couldn't have picked a worse weekend to come in terms of weather. Uh, 13,795 was the reported crowd last night. And I'll tell you, from watching on TV, it, it did look more full than I expected. And you could hear the supporter section in full voice all night. Although the one voice we were missing was Dave Johnson last night. I think he was on whiz duty. So um, I, I should have known things were awry from the start. <laughs> but uh, yeah, early goal uh, for Chicago, 32nd minute. Ivanov, after several chances and, and spectacular saves by Hamid in, in the run-up to that, but they, they ultimately did find the back of the net. Did, did the mood change much in, in the stadium after that, or what was what was kind of the feeling? That was the first goal DC United have conceded all year. That's the first goal that the Fire had scored. Uh, so, you know, two streets ending there. I don't think we were ever going to expect to hold it all the way. And with the amount the team has talked about wanting to be strong defensively, it was frustrating to see that breakdown like that. Obviously, Brad Smith gets a little bit unlucky to have that ball bounce off his back there, and that throws off Hamid's timing and getting out to it. Uh, looking at it live, it, it felt like you know maybe Hamid could have been a little bit earlier, but when it, whenever you have a bounce like that, it's going to be tough. And a great ball from Shakiri through to spring Ivanov, uh, but it, it felt like it was coming. You know, you had a couple opportunities earlier. Uh, Hamid stood on his head for at least one of those saves and had another save off the line. I think it was Burnbaum who had the clearance from the back post. Uh, it was clearly coming, you know, DC created some opportunities before that, but Chicago felt like they had the, the run of the game to that point. Yeah. And there was a big chance, you know, before that I, I dove right into the opening goal, but um, you know, early, early on in the game was probably around the, the, 14th minute that was the the biggest chance DC United had according to kind of the, the expected goals and um you know from, from there that was that was about it for the, for the game in terms of, of big chances created by DC and we talked a bit 
you know, in the last show about, and, and I'll admit it, I, I thought we would continue to see chance creation and maybe just not finishing. We didn't really see as much chance creation in, in this game. They, DC United did have a, a fair number of shots, uh, which it, it, I'll tell you, it didn't feel like it for a while. I was, I was wondering if, if we were going to be looking at uh, one of those games where we had one or two shots, but they, they did. They had, what, uh, 13 shots, but quality chances, few and far between. Was it 13 or it might even been 15 shots? I think they made that actually oh, yeah, out of Shopify. Yep, 15. But uh, no, you're right. And that, that's something I think we'll get into a little bit later in the show is I'm not quite sure how this team wants to score goals. Um, you know, they were certainly serving balls in and creating shots. And a little bit of that is the desperation as the game wears on and you're not really finding that final touch. But it, it, was, it was frustrating because you weren't putting together the pieces the way you want to. You weren't really playing the style that you want to um you had chances you had opportunities especially early on you know ola had a, a header you know basically point blank range that couldn't quite put enough on and then uh i think perez had a another you know solid move inside that just couldn't put enough on the ball at the end but that seems to be the, the story right now is not creating that final touch that final finish and that, you know some part of that is the magic of soccer right you have to have everything go right including the last moment and sometimes that's the hardest to do but you're not seeing it last night and you didn't see it against Sensi either uh and so i'm hoping that doesn't become a trend for this team yeah and, and at halftime you know i don't i don't believe any changes were were made um you know but looking at the lineup which we we skipped over tonight in my haste to <laughs> to get right into the weather report um the big news was Jeffel getting his first start which we expected with Nyman being suspended um but and, and I guess the other significant change was Kamara getting the nod at striker uh over Estrada uh, but Michael in terms of changes at halftime obviously none were made but there weren't that many options. Did you expect to see a, a change, particularly in the midfield? I mean, they're 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 just so so low on depth there. Yeah, I mean, the, you made a couple of subs in the second half, and yeah, you know, most of them were more or less like for like uh, when you're chasing the game a bit. Um, you know, we heard from the coach on at the press conference on Wednesday, talking about how Canaps might have been ready to go. They're going to try him out in practice, but apparently that didn't materialize. Uh, not having Canals was not the reason that we were not in control of this game. I think I thought Jeff played, played fairly well, and uh, some of the feedback we got from listeners on Twitter, you know, seemed to agree with that. Jeff actually had the highest rating of anyone on the team for the game, um, but the Jeff Scundrich pairing—that's not something that's going to inspire fear in a lot of opponents. Yeah. <laughs> They're, uh, yeah. I'm not, not going to call them USL quality. You know, they're on an MLS roster, but uh, you'd certainly like to see more out of it. And frankly, you know, between that pairing and not really getting much out of Flores either, it's it's hard to really create a lot when your center of the field isn't happening. So I would have loved to make changes at halftime, but as you said, there's nowhere where you can really go there. Yeah, you know, I was excited for the game that Jeffel played, um, but it's it is, it's tough to get excited about, you know, a second round draft pick being potentially your, your best player in the center of the park right now. And that's, that's to take nothing away from him. He's knocking expectations out of the park early. And, and I suspect he's going to be a, a, a meaningful player for DC United all season long, but that's, that's more of an indictment of the rest of the roster where 
this opportunity is 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 there and he's and he's grabbing it which is exciting um let's talk about edison flores since you brought him up um edison flores unsurprisingly as i'm looking through the who scored ratings was the second lowest rated player uh, on the side last night the only player grade lower than him was all kamara which we'll get to in, in a moment but with flores you know we, we had sam did a great job last night of, of soliciting uh, listener thoughts and questions and feedback and and one of the key questions um, from, from our one of our listeners in Woodbridge asked, why is Flores a starter on this team? It seems that he plays timidly, much more likely to pass back or hesitate. Um, to me, you know, I, I almost replied to that last night, uh, but I figured we'd address it on the show. I think the only reason he's a starter on this team is because of how much money we paid for him, period. And, and I think a lot of that would have been kind of forced on Lasada, regardless because we paid all this money for this guy but now we just talked about it who are you gonna bring in there's there's no other options really on on the roster and so I, sink or swim it seems like it's gonna be sink at this point but what, do, what, what else do you do yeah and frankly you know Honestly, I have some more thoughts about Kamara's performance last night. None of the guys played particularly well. Um, the thing with Flores, too, he had a fairly solid couple of outings you know, in uh, World Cup qualifying. You know, was putting up some decent numbers uh, back for Peru, but they haven't transferred over. Uh, he hasn't figured out what his role is supposed to be on this team, and I agree with in Woodbridge. Uh, Every time he tried to attack and make something happen, it seemed like it was a turnover coming at him. Uh, so certainly frustrating to see. And you know, he got subbed off fairly early. I think he was the first sub in the 67th minute, bringing on Estrada, you know, another you know, fresher forward to come in. But uh, we certainly didn't miss him when he left. And I agree with you that he's probably only playing because of the amount that they've spent on him. And it's, hard, it's tough to move him. You know, you say, well, his peak has been with his national team, but everybody else sees the same things that we see from the MLS tape. It's it's frustrating. And I still would love to be surprised and love for him to ground into form, but I don't know how much longer you can keep giving him those starter level minutes, except for the fact that there isn't anyone taking them from him. Yeah, I mean... I'm at a loss with, with Flores. I had hoped that it was a tough transition to the U.S. and then he dealt with COVID and then he dealt with, um, you know, that, that he was injured for a good chunk of last year. And, and like you said, he picked it up in, in World Cup qualifying this year. And so I thought, great, this is the year. This is the breakout. And, um, boy, we just we haven't seen anything even for me to – grab hold of and say, you know, look, that piece right there, that's what we've been missing. More of that and we'll be okay. I haven't seen it. And, I, you know, I'm also I was surprised a little bit last night that Ola got the nod. Not because we haven't seen what Ola Kamara can do, but I, I guess I didn't think Estrada had done anything to lose the starting job. And so, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm confused with with as as few players as they have available. You'd think consistency would be one of the things they're trying to go with, at least with the, with the starting lineup. And of course, using your subs, you know that that's fine. But were you surprised to see Kamara get the start? Yes and no. I think you know they're still trying to sort out what they're doing there. Um, 
you know, maybe you have him in the shop window a little bit, hoping he's rounds into form, or maybe he plays his way into playing more minutes. Um, I don't think Estrada has been far and away a better player. Um, and if you're going to have a guy who, again, paying the amount you're paying to Kamara, it's hard to rule him out. But it seemed, especially as the game wore on, that he had a hard time finding the game. It felt like, you know, at times he was trying to hold it up and wasn't successfully doing that. He's getting dispossessed, wasn't getting where he needed to be. Really, outside of that initial header in the first, you know, 10 or 15 minutes or so, it didn't seem like he was the one getting on the end of the crosses uh, as the game went on. And if you don't have your starting striker up front getting on the end of balls and he's not holding the ball up, and then really what is he doing? So I'm, I'm kind of at a loss there as well. You do have other options at forward, and you know, maybe it's still early enough that you're cycling through trying to get what you can, but it's not like you've been playing midweek games. Uh, rotation shouldn't really be a thing. And I will temper all of our talk about this is it was really freaking cold last night. <laughs> so yeah. it's hard to play the way you want to play, especially high tempo, high energy uh pressing style which we did not see as much last night it's just tough to maintain that in those kind of conditions uh the fire clearly dealt with it better and were the better team last night uh but uh, frankly i wouldn't watch this back more than once if you're if you're the team because they don't have a whole lot to get from it no i mean it it felt like a game where you kind of knew the outcome pretty early on like at least in the sense that we probably weren't going to score. <laughs> the, the the creation, it it just wasn't there, and yeah, you could tell they couldn't they couldn't hit top gear or even close to top gear in terms of speed, in terms of how quickly they were moving the ball. Um, I, th- I think Lasada will be disappointed in the performance as a whole, and unfortunately, uh, we we don't have the recording from the press conference to listen to uh, on tonight's show. But um, I, I also suspect that he's going to note that weather played a, a big factor in this. And, and we'll see you know, this weekend how different things are in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> after a game like this, you don't really want to think about traveling further north for your next game. Um, well, yeah, I do have to give credit. You know, the fire played well. And Selena in particular, you know, goalkeeper for Chicago, a guy who's getting a lot of hype moving forward about you know, potentially transferring to Europe. Uh, you know, who knows with the way the national team's goalkeeper depth is right now, he might find himself on that roster here in a week or two. Uh, he played well, uh, made some saves. Also had some what felt like childish moments where you know, you'd get into it a little bit with players coming in and uh, was not super impressed with his demeanor, but uh, hard to argue with his shot stopping. Uh, and as we know... 17, uh, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> And having a, a keeper who can change the game like that is certainly weapon, as I've talked about once or twice on this show. Yeah, it's going to be hard for me to give Bill man of the match for the third straight week. I, although I was thinking about it for quite a while in that game, and if we kept it 1-0, maybe still could have got a shout. Um, but but one, one player I also want to talk about uh, last night was Julian Gressel. Um Early in the game, I, I was frustrated with just, you know, it seemed passes were a little bit off, perhaps a little bit slow uh, at times. And then I remembered, you know, this dude got subbed off last week. Uh, and, and while he practiced all week, he was recovering from an injury where he got 
you know, hit pretty hard into the boards uh, in in Cincinnati, and we are talking about a soccer game, not a hockey game, as I say that. <laughs> but um, Gressel seemed to come into his own later on in the game, at least, uh, which, which was good to see. Uh, and and I was honestly surprised on Friday when I saw that he would be available for the game after leaving early, which is good. Um, so with him and Brad Smith, you know, that was game two and a half, we'll call it, um, you know, at, the, at those wing back positions. What are your thoughts on how that's coming together this season? Um, yeah, I've got my own thoughts on sort of where we are, but um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. Um, they want to play similarly to a large extent. Like neither of them are super speedsters on the sides. Like one of the things I liked about having Paredes was that you know he had speed. He's willing to take guys on. Russell is not going to outrun many people at the MLS level. You know, he'll certainly take me in if it race any day he wants to, but the uh but as far as you know at the MLS level he's not a speedster he's a guy who you know finds the space and he whips and crosses is what he does um and brad smith seems to want to do a lot of those same things has a similar tool set um and that makes you a little bit more one-dimensional when it comes to pushing the ball playing and sending it in because people know what's coming there um frankly you know i was a little frustrated with the way that we saw free kicks going as well i think you know, Gressel and Smith were the two designated free kick takers. Uh, Brad Smith had one that went just directly into the first uh, defender in the wall. Uh, I know he's left-footed, so that may be part of the thought is giving it a different look, but we do not have a weapon there, and we were certainly spoiled in the years of having Wayne Rooney you know, hit <laughs> level free kicks, and I don't think that there's another Rooney out there for us to bring in. Certainly not, not what we're going to pay for, but... Uh, that's another hole that you've got to find a way to do. What do you think, John? Yeah, no, I think what I was going to say about Brad Smith is I've actually, and I don't know how to say this without sounding bad, but I've been pleasantly surprised with his speed um, while also recognizing that we we weren't going to have Kevin Paredes in that role. Right. Um, So I've been excited about what we've seen from Brad Smith so far, but almost his, the, the fact that he's played as much of a role in my mind on this team as he has just further underscores how disappointed I am with everyone in true attacking positions. You know, I, I feel like Brad Smith has a lot of possession of the ball. I'd prefer not to see that if we had an effective central midfield, if we had strikers, you know, going forward and, and, and possessing in the box, taking chances, you're not going to see as much possession, right? You're just going to be quick, you know, Smith and and Gressel, they're gonna take passes down and they're gonna cross them in, right? That's what you that's what you want to see. Um, I I think it's glaringly obvious to me the fact that I've circled Brad Smith as as an impact player on this roster so far this season just shows the state of the rest of the roster. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that frustration from our folks on Twitter. Uh, you know, we've got a comment from Statehood for DC saying the front office has failed. Scudridge is a full-time every-game starter is a failure. This team is cheap and it shows. Only one DP and he's a failure. You lose to Chicago at home because you're a low-budget bad team. They should lower the cost of tickets and beer for a roster like this. Uh, wow, lots to unpack there. I don't know if I'm going to go that entire direction, but I can certainly see where that frustration is coming from because the team, the, the roster is cheap. Uh, Chicago has been bad for a while, but they made some rather aggressive moves in the offseason. And DC United has 
attempted to as well. That you know, Fire made a move for to bring in Casper Shabilko from Philadelphia, a guy who uh, can be a, a terror at times. Uh, you know, bringing in a big name in Zerdin Shakiri from OL. He's a guy who's world renowned and still clearly has some uh, gas left in the tank. And you know, even a guy from Mexico as a young DP, like they're they're making the efforts to try to move up in the world. Uh, this is a team that tied two games, hadn't scored a goal yet, and they get off the off that not to a, a good start in their goal scoring thing by not scoring two, but holding us to nothing. Yeah, it, you know it's hard for me to disagree with a lot of what uh, what our listeners said here, but. Um what I saw this week was an email in my inbox from my season ticket rep that they're going to have a, a, a member night with Lucy Rushton and Danita Johnson coming up in the next couple of weeks. And I was super excited to see that one, because I'm excited that we're starting to see season ticket member events again. Um, I know that was obviously tough during the pandemic, like there's only kind of so many things you could do, but I think that's a key part of, you know, what this club wants to be in terms of connecting with the community, connecting with the fan base. Um, and, and just a really brief aside, if you haven't had a chance to listen to um, Roach's Pitch Pass interview with Danita Johnson, all of our listeners should check that out. Just some really great insight into where the club is headed you know, off the field. Um, and, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with, with what's going on on that front. Um, but not to take away from the on-the-field stuff, which is the most important um, – I'm excited to talk to Lucy Rushton or hopefully, you know, some other member will have a chance to ask a question if I don't about truly what is the direction for this team? You know, I think that's something I've been asking since we started this show is lay out what we want to do and then go do it. And I, I thought we were getting there when we, when we brought in Lasada, it was a clear identity. That was, that was how he wanted to play that, that high press, that, uh, you know, let's fly style, right? But then we haven't brought in the players to do it. And and to me, it, it just begs the question, why do you, you know, you, you, were, you obviously recognized that we had an identity crisis under Olsen. You brought in a coach that totally transformed, you know, how the team wants to play. And, and he, in a lot of ways, you know, brought the fan base, you know, back in terms of just excitement levels. And then you come into this year where we should be, you know, really poised to capitalize on that, and the roster's just not there. It's it's not there talent wise, and it's not there numbers wise. And so, in in that sense, I I do believe the front office has failed at least in either setting expectations, or they just completely swung and missed on bringing in a, a list of players that they thought, you know, maybe we're going to meet this style this year, and they were going to fill out the roster, and then they couldn't get a bunch of deals done. I don't know, but it seems like they have laid out what they want to do and they've failed at doing it. I agree to an extent because especially when you talk about how, you know, they brought in Lasada to have a very consistent style of play, how they want to do it, how they want to approach games and a style that is fun to watch and gets people excited, especially after that last year under Olsen, obviously COVID screwed a lot up and you know, injuries and we do not need to talk about that entire season anymore but when you have a year like last year where you are feel like you're building something you start being a team that people are afraid to play and then the off season you move Paul Riolo, you move Kevin Priates two guys who 
seem to fit the system fairly well as far as guys who want to press, want to you know make things happen and bring those weapons. We've beat the horse to death as far as why those moves happened, and it will get to be seen whether the return was the right move. I mean, obviously, you'd like to sell players when you can get a return for it, but it didn't really seem like there was a backup plan. And part of that is you know, years of being behind the eight ball because you're just hoping that things come together the way you'd like them to. But when you sell those two guys on, you don't really make like for like fixes. I don't think they have the players that they would need to do to play the way he wants to play. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of people talk about uh, Drew Scundridge getting a lot of minutes. He's a guy who is willing to run, willing to cover a lot of ground, does what Lasada wants him to do clearly because he's continuing to to start and get minutes. But as I said earlier, if that is a guy who is pretty much locked into getting on the field at some point every game, that's not something that would fly at a club that's uh, got higher ambitions than sneaking into the playoffs. Drew Scundrich, the Ulysses Segura of the Hernan Lasada tenure here at, at DC United. But you want to know what worries me? Michael is that we've already we've already built up the pressure for Taxi Fountas and and the dude has doesn't even know when he's going to get to come here. You know, they're still fighting with his current team and and DC United and trying to agree on a fee to get him to transfer early. But I I fear that all of us as as DC United fans are like, well this is the only roster move we're going to get. Because it might be. It might very well be the only move until the summer. It might be the only move all year. The pressure is so high for this kid to be successful here. It's almost like he's coming into a to a no-win situation. And I hope it doesn't play out like that. Obviously, we all hope not. But I, I think I could see it being another Flores situation mm-hmm. where – he comes in and expectations are sky high. He's got to transition to MLS. He's got to transition to life in the U.S. What if it's a swing and a miss? Then what? Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of pressure on him. And part of that is the nature of DPs. You've got a cap on how many you have. The guys that you pretty much have to hit on because otherwise you're in a Flores situation where you're paying a guy a lot. He got up on the field. He's not giving you what you need. Um, I don't think I would necessarily say that that pressure is a bad thing. Uh, we, we haven't seen him yet. But if you're thinking that bringing in the taxi as a forward you know, attacking player and that's going to solve your problems whenever he shows up, I've got news for you. That's that's not the only the problem right now. You know, Lasada talked about in the press conference on Wednesday how we – knew back in November that we were losing two guys in center midfield who got a lot of minutes, you know, Felipe Martins and Junior Moreno. You know, they worked on getting Moreno back. Uh, Felipe is a little bit long in the tooth and, you know, is on to his umpteenth different club, I think, in Austin. Both moves that you knew were probably coming to move on from them. But, you know, as Mosada said on Wednesday, we knew back in November that two guys that got a lot of minutes were leaving. And we haven't fixed, we haven't filled those things, and I don't know when those replacements are coming. You know, I I wasn't on that press conference. I saw you, you know, tweet out that quote, and it generated a little bit of steam. And it 
it infuriated me a little bit, right? Because it, it, it seems like another time where Lasada is kind of using the media to point out issues within his own organization. And granted, that's not his job. His job is not to bring in players. His job is to highlight where there's roster issues as the coach because he can only get he can only get stuff out of the people he has to work with. Did he seem – how was his uh, you know, demeanor when, when he answered that question? And frankly, I think he was frustrated. I think that there was, it was very clear that he, like most of the fans watching the game, didn't say, hey, we're thin there. We haven't fixed this. You know, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what the situation is. You know, maybe he's just tired of trying to fit pieces into that. But it definitely seemed like, I mean, he was not shying away from the fact that they don't have the personnel they need to fill the holes and to do what they want to do. You know, looking at some of our, our Twitter responses from last night, you know, Richard uh, asks, Hey, considering the state of DC United's bench, were you surprised that uh, Ted Cudi Bietro or Gray were sent down to Loudon United? Uh, KDP looked especially good in Loudon's match last night. I, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, we always say play your kids. It's always great to get guys in the last minutes and especially have them pan out well the way Kevin is. It's still so early in the year. I don't think you were looking at either of those guys or even Kamari Smith, who scored last night. For I don't think you're looking at any of those guys for significant minutes yet. I'd like to see that on a more regular basis. Uh, you know, they've got to work with what they got as far as the senior team. And at some point, the coaching staff is going to have to make an assessment and say, "Hey, these guys aren't doing what we need them to do. They're not going to play." You saw what happened with Yumiel last year where yeah. he was uh, on a milk carton somewhere uh, <laughs> for the last couple months of the season. Um, so I think it's still a little bit early. Uh, I'm, I know they all train together. They're all working together trying to do similar systems. So uh, I wouldn't look too much into the evaluation there, except to say that at some point we'll probably we'll see them if they continue to play the way they played last night. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's such a catch-22 for me. I, I was excited when I saw the news that they were loaning those guys out to Loudon for the game. Like, that's great. That's going to get the minutes. That's what we want. Like you said, you know, play your kids. It doesn't have to just be an MLS. You know, you've got this golden opportunity to play them against pretty high-level competition in the USL Championship. Um, so I was excited about that. But it is a great question of, you know, why were they not available when you've already got such a shortage in midfield? Um, and could they have gotten minutes last night? Probably. I mean, we only used three subs, right? Um, and and so, yeah, there, there were certainly opportunities there. Um, I, I wonder if going into this game, you know, the hope was we'd continue to hold Chicago scoreless and, you know, maybe we'd nick a goal almost like we did in, in Cincy or, you know, nil-nil grind it out in terrible weather. Um, and, and perhaps then you're not really making those subs. You're just playing with the guys that you have. But, you know, you go behind one nil. And later on 2 0, you're probably not going to make too many impact changes late in the game, regardless of who's on the roster when you're down 2 0 in, in 13 degree weather, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was excited to see those guys get minutes in Loudon, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just it all kind of goes back to it's, it's hard for me to understand how Hernan Lasada doesn't seem to have a good understanding of when and where players are going to come in. You know, that to me seems like organizational dysfunction. Or perhaps he does. Perhaps there are, there are plenty of healthy conversations going on behind the scenes and 
Lasada's messaging to the media is is just to kind of continue to turn up that pressure and and point it out to fans that this this roster is not good enough. But just like I'm a little bit concerned about the pressure being high and and the expectations being high for Taxi when he shows up, I'm also starting to get concerned. Looking around the league, I think folks see Hernan Lasada as as a good head coach and a, and, and a guy who's going to be successful in this league. How much longer is he going to stick around DC United if if he's not supported in the way that that he needs to be t- to get the wins here and 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 actually compete for for championships? Now, when you say players coming in, you're talking about outside transfers coming in because uh, it seems like he's got a fairly good understanding of the rotation that he expects to use and pieces that he's trying to Absolutely. use. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. The, the made a couple of moves late to try to get some fresh attacking legs on. And he certainly subs more than Ben Olsen ever did. Um, so, you know, getting guys, get minutes. Yeah, it, it's early. It was a nasty situation to try to play a soccer game. Um, not as bad as the New England game. I don't know if you saw the comments from Carlos Hill after that game, but he was not amused with having to play in the, the snow up there. And I'm sure some of the players had choice thoughts about uh, rolling out there. And I think at the end of the game, it was windshield of eight degrees. That's, that's not enough degrees to play soccer. Um, but all of which is to say, uh, the, this team has to improve. The, the, whether it's bringing in other folks, whether it's raising the level from what you're getting right now, whether it's just getting on the same page, it's got to be better because you got lucky to steal some points in Cincinnati. You beat an expansion team in Charlotte in the first week. Uh, we said last year, this was a team that beat the teams at the bottom and beat them fairly soundly and had trouble beating any team that was actually going to make the playoffs. And if you don't beat those kind of teams, you don't have the points at the end of the year to be in a position to try to make a run of the cup, which is what we all want. Yeah. So I, all that's to say, um, we do need to award a man of the match for this game. Um, I think I might have tipped my hand a little bit earlier. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll follow through on that. Uh, I'm going to go with Jeffel. I was I was impressed with his performance and, and just kind of what he's bringing to the, this team right now that, that needs a spark. Um, that's my shout. How about you? You know, I don't think we have any guidelines on players or like on who we make man of the match. I don't think we have any limitations on it. Um, because frankly, man, match might be might be taxi like the the dream of bringing taxi in eventually. <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll be you know realistic and keep it to the folks around the field. I, I'll, I'll go with Jeffel as well. I thought he you know showed that he's ready to get those minutes that we're talking about for some younger guys, and you know happy to see that happen. Uh, and, you know if you fall into a rotation with that, and we didn't even talk about you know. Not even being out with suspension and you know how that in fact things as well. But I thought Jeffel had a acceptable game. Uh, again, not many people had good games. Bill made a couple of big saves like we expect, but uh, you know when you lose two zero, I, I can't give it to the keeper. So Jeffel for me, but it's grudgingly. I don't think the team awarded uh, man the match afterwards either. Maybe they were trying to defrost as well. But. Overall, not a not a not a great performance. 
Yeah, uh, one hopefully they'll forget quickly um, as, as they turn around and, and look ahead to Saturday in Toronto where, you know, I am going to just check the weather now because I'm curious. It can't be this cold again, right? I mean, it can't be this cold. And Toronto's a, hopefully a beatable team. Um, boy, yeah, it looks like 44 and rain at kickoff. So. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, yeah, I think Toronto is 0-1 and 2 right now. Um Given up a couple goals, you know they're they're shifting into having a new coach and maybe kind of going through some changes. But you have the same thing in Chicago, you know, with new coach uh, in Chicago and you know, new players coming in. It's uh, I very much have enough to see a repeat of uh, this past weekend coming up on the road. But who knows? Yeah, and luckily after that, they will get a little time to regroup as our our frustrations turn to the final window of world cup qualifying, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, in, in the upcoming shows, but um, make or break window for sure for the U S and TC United will probably already eager be, eagerly be looking ahead to some time to <laughs> sort things out uh, as, as the goals are just not coming. Um, we've talked a little bit about Loudon. They beat the Indy 11 one nil uh, on a Kamarni Smith goal. Uh, so they started off the season undefeated as well, just like they're, their brother organization. Uh, it was a pretty exciting game, but they got a lot more snow out in Leesburg, so um, they had to condense all the fans into about three sections there. Uh, so it looked like completely empty on TV. All the fans were on the same side as the cameras, but um, exciting to have them back, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll see more and more players get minutes there uh, and, and move up to the first team. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, Loudon getting off to getting some points is good because they've struggled in recent years, but uh, happy to see that start and hopefully it continues. Um, you know, Washington Spirit also are opening play up this coming weekend. Sorry, your defending league champion, Washington Spirit, uh, open up against the Orlando Pride uh, up on March 19th at 7 p.m. Uh, so wishing them all the best there. Yeah, definitely going to be an exciting spirit, exciting season rather for the spirit this year. Uh, looking forward to seeing them in action with the with the star on the jerseys. Um, anything we forgot about this game, or we just want to try to forget the game altogether? Uh, I think I've already forgotten the game, and hope uh, not to have to go back to it. But uh, well, let's hope for all our sakes that next time we're able to talk more about uh, you know a team that's creative on the field, a team that's doing what they want to do, and not talking about just how short they seem to be at every position across the board. And I think uh, all of us here at Trident True would love to be able to focus on uh, the performance on the field, but it wasn't there yesterday, and let's hope it comes back this coming weekend. One can hope. For Joshua and Sam, who will be back very soon, Michael, thanks for hanging tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon after the Toronto game right here on Trident True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. 